0: worshiping with us today. You know, sometimes I'll ask Dr. Cox, I'll say, you know, uh, what do you want me to sing about this week? You know, is there something that would, you know, go along with your message well? And he he just says, just sing about Jesus. And I think, well, that's pretty good. He said, you sing about Jesus and you'll never go wrong, Todd. And I was like, well, there you go. And today, guess what we're going to sing about? Jesus. So let's stand up and let's sing my Jesus.
1: my jesus do you feel that empty feeling cause shame's done all it's stealing you're desperate for some healing let me tell you about my jesus he makes the way where there ain't no way rises up from an empty grave
0: Great stuff. You can have a seat. Come on, Tim.
2: Good morning and welcome to First Baptist Church. We're glad to have you here to worship with us this morning. Todd, thanks for a great start. If you're a guest with us, uh, welcome. We're glad to have you with us this morning. You'll notice there in the pew rack in front of you is a little white guest registration card. And if you'll take just a moment to fill that out, it's a great way for us to be able to connect uh, with you and get to know you a little bit. One thing we love to do on Monday mornings in our staff meeting, uh, we pray for all the prayer requests that are that are written down on these cards. And so we invite you to write down your prayer request. Uh, we'd love to pray for you and pray for those things that are going on in your life. And so uh, take just a moment to do that. As you're exiting the service, you can either, uh, if you just have a prayer concern, you want to drop it in, in that offering box, you can do that. Or if, you, if you're if you a first-time guest, as you're exiting, you head up to your left, you can take that up to uh, Dr. Cox will be up there today, and he'd love uh, to get that thing from you. As we continue to worship, uh, Todd's got us off to a great start worshiping, and I just want us to read a passage. Uh, I'm going to just read this uh, a Psalm 150 to you as we just prepare our hearts and ask God as we, we come together. We gathered here this morning just to praise Him, and here's what Psalm 150 says uh, Praise the Lord, praise God in His sanctuary, praise Him in His mighty heavens, praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the trumpet sound. Praise Him with the lute and the harp. Praise Him with the tambourine and the dance. Praise Him with strings and with pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so as that psalm says, as we just are gathered here this morning, as we continue to sing, and, and you got a good spread of instruments up here, Todd. And we're, we're, we're clapping, with you know we're playing with our instruments, and, and just praising the Lord. I just want to invite you uh, just, to, just to be thankful for what God's done in your life this morning. Let me pray for us, and we'll continue to worship. Father God, we thank you that we can come and praise you in your holy name. God, we thank you that you're perfect. We thank you, God. Uh, that you're righteous we praise you for that god we praise you uh, for your love toward us we praise you for uh, your offering of grace and forgiveness of our sins god we praise you for being great and mighty we praise you because of this creation that you've allowed us to enjoy so father we just come and we give you all the praise this morning as we learn from your word as we dig in to the scriptures i pray that you change our hearts that you challenge the way that we think Father, that you draw us to a deeper faith in you. It's in your sons' name we pray. Amen.
0: Though my sins are many, his mercy is more. Will you stand together and let's sing together? Praise. speak the name over these situations in your life sing along with us this morning
3: I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind cuz I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus Shine through the shadow.
0: Lord, we come before you this morning just speaking your name because we know there is power. There is power in your holy name. And so, Lord, we say, Jesus. We call out, Jesus. We cry out, Jesus. Jesus for our families. Jesus for our nation. Jesus for our church. Jesus for our community. Jesus for our our sicknesses and our depression and the things that just ail us, Lord. We cry Jesus to you. You are worthy of our praise and only you, you are our true answer. We praise this morning. We pray this morning. We pray for Dr. Cox as he brings this message. May you pierce our hearts with your your words and have us leave this place different than we came. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Amen.
4: Good morning, good to see you, good to be with you today. I was way last week, Matt Rossman's in this service, I appreciate him preaching for me last week while several of our pastors were on mission trips and camps, and I uh, appreciate that so much. I want to share with you about a two things coming up this week in our church. Wednesday night we restart our... Uh, Outdoor Worship Services. We we're off one week last week, 4th of July week. So for the next three weeks, we'll be back, uh, Lord willing, at the rear parking lot, 630 on Wednesdays. Outdoor Worship. I invite you to come in and be with us. Bring a lawn chair, a little bit of chance of rain for Wednesday. If it rains, we'll do it rain or shine. We'll just bring your lawn chair in the gym right off that same parking lot as the gym entrance. And so uh, we'll be here either way. And uh, fellowship this week is... Uh, Legacy Creamery ice cream, uh, all of our, usually our fellowships are free. This week it's uh, $2 because we have a vendor for a cup of ice cream. If you can't afford that, Todd Green will pay for your ice cream cup uh, Wednesday night. Uh, I'm doing a series on Ask the Animals, and they will teach you animal stories in the Bible. We're doing the Levitical food laws this week. What can you eat? What couldn't you eat? Why did God do that for their people? So I'm going to ask you, you got to ch- get a chance to share this Wednesday night, the oddest animal you've ever eaten. So, hottest animal you've ever eaten Wednesday night. Don't look at me like that. That'll be fun. It'll be fun. Okay, uh, Friday night. Friday, this Friday, July 15th, is our Night of Champions, an outreach event for area football teams, Hendon Hooker, uh, starting quarterback for the University of Tennessee Vols, will be here speaking. We'll do sort of a panel question and answer about, he'll share about his family, importance of family in his life. He'll share about his Christian faith, share about football. Uh, we have uh, uh, four area football teams that'll be here Coffee County High School, Warren County High School, uh, Coffee and Westwood Middle Schools close to 300 football players will be here um, and you are welcome to come as well we have 85 tickets as of last night left any uh, tickets are free but you do have to have a ticket because it will be it'll be full and we haven't publicized it to the community yet but we would love for you to to come so if you want to come there's a link on our Facebook and Instagram page and it's in your bulletin and you can go to Eventbrite and get a ticket and come. We'd be happy if you do that, but you probably need to do it soon. And uh, if you can't come, it's on live. it'll be on live stream. And uh, also would you pray? Would you just pray for that event? I'm praying that many coaches and football players and other guests will come to know Jesus as Savior. I'll be sharing an invitation at the end. Have commitment cards. Would you be praying uh, for many to come to know eternal life through Jesus Christ uh, this Friday night? Uh, and and finally I just want to keep before you in this service that we Daniel McKenzie is starting 11 o'clock connection group or groups beginning uh, the first Sunday in August when our our launch Sunday about three or so weeks from now three or four weeks from now and so we want everybody to be in a connection group because that's how you get to know people and connect with one another and with the Bible we have great connections groups at 830 so if you're in this service You could go at 8.30. Some of you probably don't like to get up or whatever. I don't know. So now there's going to be another option at 11 o'clock. So if you haven't come at 8.30, you could still do that. But uh, consider coming at 11. If you're interested in those groups at 11 o'clock, there's a form to fill out on the Welcome Center. You could tell Daniel McKenzie so he can sort of plan for how many groups we might be able to have, one or more groups at 11 o'clock. You ever watch reruns? Uh, Cindy and I, there was a time when we don't do it now, but there was a time every night before we went to bed we watched the Andy Griffith show rerun. Uh, uh, Cindy's mom is 91 years old and she watches an episode of Gunsmoke every day. Every day, Gunsmoke. Uh, but it's not just uh, older people that watch reruns. I spent a w- week this. Uh, past week with my grandkids and those kids will watch these movies over and over and over I've seen Moana more times than I ever want to see Moana you ever watch reruns well today this sermon is a rerun I preached this sermon here in this place July twenty fifth, two 2004 18 years ago I'm sharing it with you again today Not because I'm lazy, not because uh, it's such a great sermon that I think, oh, this is the best, get to hear this again. I'm sharing it with you again today because this passage and this sermon impacted my life in a great way. And uh, I want to share with you in the years since then a little bit of how this passage impacted my life. So, I want to share it with you, a rerun again today. The story is in Mark chapter 10. If you want to open your Bible to Mark 10 46, it's a story of a blind man named Bartimaeus. And it says in Mark 10 46, Then they came to Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd, so there's a lot of people, this is the height of his popularity, and they were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. Now, let me share an aside in this verse. Uh, this verse contains a seeming contradiction in the Bible or a Bible difficulty. I want to point it out to you because at some point in your life, there's probably going to be some skeptic that's going to point out to you or say to you, Yeah, the Bible's full of contradictions or whatever. And, and I don't want that to be the first time you ever hear about it. I want you to be ready and to understand that. So, In Luke's parallel account in the Gospel of Luke he has this story and he says it was as they were entering the city of Jericho the verse I just read to you in Mark 10 46 says it was as they were leaving the city of Jericho which is it Luke says there were also there was two blind men Uh, mark says one but that's pretty easily reconciled there were two, but Mark focuses on the one that talked, the one that was verbal, as we're going to see in a moment. But what about this entering and leaving the city? Uh, so how, does, how do we, you say I believe the Bible is inerrant. I believe everything in the Bible is true. And so I believe that somehow both of those statements are true. How are they both true? And the short answer is I don't know. Uh, it could be, some have suggested there was an old city of Jericho and a new city of Jericho. Remember the old one destroyed in the Old Testament? It may have been leaving the old site, coming to the new. Or it may have been, this was the same day that Jesus met Zacchaeus. Luke has those two stories back to back. Remember the little short guy climbed a tree so he could see Jesus? Jesus said, I'm going home with you. So it may have been that they were leaving the city, meets Zacchaeus, and he turns and goes back into the city where Zacchaeus stays for him a while and then leaves. And so both of those, it could be on the exit, but also part of the re-entry. You see how that could happen? The point is, I don't know. But here's a couple of things I want to share with you. Some people want to tell you that, oh, the Bible's not true because it's been changed over the years. Have you ever heard that? Oh, the church probably changed it. It's been 2,000 years. Listen, if they were going to change anything, this is one thing they would have changed. Those who preserved the Scriptures and passed on to us, passed on seeming difficulties, seeming contradictions, because they weren't going to mess with it even when they didn't know how it fit together. And so this seeming contradiction is testimony to the accuracy of the Bible because if there was anything they were going to change over 2,000 years, it's like, we've got to fix that. We've got to make both of them leaving or both of them entering, right? It's testimony to the truth of Scripture. I'll share with you another thing. Warner Wallace wrote Cold Grace Christianity. He was not a Christian. He was a detective. And he said what led him to Christ was reading the Gospels and seeing them that they were true eyewitness accounts. Because he said, whenever I interview suspects or people about a crime or those, when I get stories that match exactly in every detail, I know they've collaborated, they've collaborated and they're, they're, one of them is lying. But but he said, when I see eyewitness accounts that have little dis- seeming discrepancies and, and, and details, then I know that that is an indication that it's true. And he became a Christian reading the Gospels, applying his cold case uh, uh, way of detective work to the Bible, wrote cold case Christianity to show these things, show these are true eyewitness accounts. So I don't have the answer for that, but I want you to see that. And to see that there's a possibility the Bible fits together, and it shows the validity of the Bible. Well, they came to Jerusalem, and as they were leaving the city, there's a blind man Bartimaeus, which means Mark puts in parentheses, "son of Timaeus." So in Aramaic, that they spoke, "bar" means son. Whenever you see a now a name in the Bible that starts with "bar," it's son of, sort of like our junior, you know. So Bartimaeus is son of Timaeus, Barabbas, Bartholomew, Barnabas—they're all son of. They're sort of junior. And so he's son of Timaeus, and he was sitting by the roadside begging, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, when he says son of David, he doesn't just mean bar, G, bar David's uh, David Jr. Son of David means this is the Messiah, because he recognized the Jews were looking for the descendant from David who would carry on the Davidic line and would be the one where... As Isaiah had said, the blind would see and the lame would walk. And so he calls out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, probably from the chamber of commerce of Jericho, because, you know, got a big crowd, got a dignitary coming through, and you don't want this this homeless guy yelling, you know, when he's going through. Shh! They tried to quiet him, but as they tried to quiet him, he just shouted all the more. Verse 48 says, Son of David, have mercy on me! And Jesus stopped, verse 49, and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you and throwing his cloak aside. He jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. And then in verse 51, Jesus asked him a question. It seems an odd question. It's the center of what I want to talk to you about today. Hyundai Automobile Company has this ad campaign on television now called Question Everything. The idea is they've that they're trying to communicate is they've designed a car and they've questioned everything about the engineering so that they could make it the best. Question everything. So to convey that concept, they have celebrities driving their Hyundai cars asking these sort of odd or thought provoking questions. For example, one celebrity is driving along and he says, Why does quicksand work so slowly? And another one is driving along and he says, Why do we say heads up when we really mean duck? You ever thought of that? Why do we do that? Another one says, What do they call earthquakes on Mars? So, question everything. Odd questions. Well, this question of Jesus is sort of like that. It's sort of odd. This guy comes to him, this blind man, who's been, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he comes, and Jesus says to him, look at it, underline this in your Bible. Verse 51, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. Really? A blind man comes to him, and Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Why does Jesus ask him that question? I think there's three parts to the answer. I want to share them with you. First of all, I think Jesus asked him that question to clarify his desires. And so I want you to think about this question today. If Jesus was here before you, and Jesus said to you, what do you want me to do for you? What would be your response? What do you want Jesus to do for you? And so I think the first reason that Jesus would pose that question is he wants to clarify your desires. He wants you to think about, what do I really want from Jesus? What, do I, what is my des, desire in my heart from him? Let me show you why I think that by looking at the passage before. Jesus asked this same question in the passage right before. And Mark, as he writes this gospel, I think very intentionally puts these two stories back to back to show the contrast. In chapter 10, verse 35, just before this passage, James and John, two of the twelve disciples, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And verse 36, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Do you see the same question? Underline it again in your Bible there to show the contrast. And they replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. So their request when Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Was self-centered. It was about their own glory. When you come into your kingdom, we want the best spots. We want to sit in glory. One on your left hand, one on your right. It was all about them. It wasn't about the kingdom. It about Jesus. Their request was self-centered. And Jesus said to them, verse 38, you don't know what you're asking. I wonder in some of our prayers, would Jesus say to us, you don't know what you're asking. And Jesus said, because, uh, rest of verse 38, can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with a baptism I'm baptized with? Referring to his coming, suffering, and death. You don't know what you're asking. They didn't get from Jesus their request granted, but Bartimaeus did. He said, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, I want to see so I think the first reason Jesus asked this question both of it, is to clarify or crystallize or filter out our desires. What do you want Jesus to do for you? Are some of your prayers like James and John prayers? Are they self-centered? Are they about you, about your glory? Are they kingdom-centered? Jesus would have you to clarify your desires. There's a second reason, I think, that Jesus asked this question of Bartimaeus, and that is Jesus wants you to express your need. Jesus never asks questions for information, right? He already knows. He's not asking Bartimaeus because he doesn't know what Bartimaeus wants. He's asking, first of all, I'm saying, to clarify Bartimaeus' desires, and secondly, that Bartimaeus would express his need, and he wants us to clarify our desires and then to express our need in Matthew chapter 6 verse 8 Jesus said the father knows what you need before you ask he's not asking this question for information the father knows then why do we pray because he wants you to express your need James chapter 4 verse 2 says we do not have because we do not ask and he wants you to express your need he already knows it but he wants you to express it. Let me put it to you this way. In regard to salvation, anyone in this room can be saved this morning. But no one will be saved unless they call on the name of the Lord. Romans ten thirteen says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That passage says, For it that word is near you. It's in your mouth. It's right on the tip of your tongue. You can be saved just on the tip of your tongue if in your heart you'll believe and with your mouth you will confess or call on the name of the Lord. So you have to ask in order to be saved. And it's that way with anything else. He wants you to express your need. Are you giving expression to God? You know, we as Christians, many times we think about our problems, we complain about our problems, we talk about our problems, we don't pray about our problems. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you that you'll express your need there's a third reason I think that he asked this question of Bartimaeus and he would ask it of us and that is Jesus wants to arouse your faith would Bartimaeus dare to say the unthinkable would Bartimaeus say well um, uh, i I just need some alms Uh, if you could just give me a stream of income uh, just a house to live in Bartimaeus though goes big goes bold he says I want to see! And the next verse, verse 52, Jesus said, Go, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. And Jesus is stimulating his faith. Will he say, I want to see? And he does, and Jesus says, Your faith that I could do that has healed you. And he came and followed him. So sometimes in our praying, we don't pray big enough. Are the things that you're asking God for are going to happen anyway? Are you asking any God sized prayers? Bartimaeus was bold enough to say, I, I believe you can make me see, and I want to see. And maybe you're praying, and, and, and your prayers, maybe you're just, maybe you're praying for your kids, and you're praying, Lord, help my kids not get into trouble. Oh, just keep them out of trouble. Well, That's a good prayer to pray. But could you pray more than that for your kids? Could you pray bigger than that? Could you pray kingdom-centered prayers for your kids? What does Jesus, what do you want Jesus to do for you? When I studied this passage in 2004, that question really gripped me. It came at a time in my life where there were some uncertainties, um, Some things in my life and my family I had at that time 2004 a son in college and a son in uh, high school that's sort of formative times for your kids it came at a time when we were starting a building program Uh, there was some opposition to it there was some uncertainty so in my life and in my church and in my family that week I took out a piece of paper Sort of like what I have for you in the sermon notes of the bulletin. And I wrote down what I wanted Jesus to do for me. I tried to clarify my desires. I I tried to examine what I was praying about for myself and my family and our church, that it wasn't about me, that it wasn't for my glory, that it wasn't a James and John kind of prayer. I didn't want to pray that. I wanted to clarify that, that it would be kingdom centered. I gave expression to them. I think there's value in expressing on paper. It forces you to express what do you want God to do for your kids, what do you want in your marriage, what do you want in your career, what do you want in in your church, in your community, what do you want Jesus to do for you? And I tried to pray faith-filled prayers that just weren't things that were going to happen anyway, but God-sized things in our church and in my family And so I shared that list with Cindy uh, during the week before Sunday. She had to hear the sermon sort of twice. You know, I sort of told it to her and she had to hear it again. And so that Sunday morning after I'd preached that, Cindy and I came and knelt right here. And we prayed that list together. And I've kept that list through the years and it's been one of the most powerful things I've done in my spiritual life. I read it again this morning. And most of those things that I prayed for on that list, God has done. Not every one of them. I would say to you, there are a couple that are not. So maybe I wasn't totally aligned with, the, with his will. Maybe I had a little bit of James and John going on in there. I don't know. Or maybe it's just not been time yet and, you know, God's work takes time. I don't know. But I'm saying to you, most of those things, to the glory of God, in my kids, in our church, in my family, were answered. And so that became a powerful thing in my life, and so whenever I came to a time like that time of some uncertainty or so, some temptation to worry, I would do that same thing again. I would say, what do I want Jesus to do for me? And I would make a list like that, and I've kept those lists, and about every five years, even if I wasn't in a time of turmoil, I would do that what do I want Jesus to do in our church over the next five years? What do I want him to do in my family over the next five years? What do I want him to do in my life over the next five years? And so today I want to encourage you to, to consider that question. And I want to invite you right now to take out your worship bulletin or... Uh, a piece of paper, or in the fly leaf of your Bible and and give it some expression. And I want to invite you. We're going to wait for two minutes. I'm going to give you two minutes in case you wonder, how long are we going to sit here doing this? Well, about two minutes you're going to sit there. And then I'm going to come back and and we're going to proceed. But uh, I just want to invite you to consider the question, what do I want Jesus to do for me? So, I know two minutes will probably not get all of you completed, certainly. This is something that you probably need to, if you really take it seriously, go home and spend a little time with. But it may get you started, and that might be good for you to get started. Or for some of you, it may crystallize pretty quickly one thing or two things. You don't know everything, but man, there's something that just crystallizes in my mind right away. Jesus, this is a desire in my heart. This, I believe, is in line with your kingdom, and this is what I want you to do for me or my family or my career or my church. What do you want Jesus to do for you? We're just going to be silent for two minutes. I'm going to invite you to think about that. I want to invite you to stand together with me now I may I know you may not be finished I hope you'll continue that but there might be some of you that already have something in your heart something in your mind maybe you're a teenager college student your future before you maybe you're a young parent maybe you're somebody approaching retirement wherever you are in life maybe you already have something so I'm gonna invite you during our invitation you can first of all of course come and share your desire to be saved anyone who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved the word is near you it is in your heart and it is in your mouth you can just walk forward and come and somebody will pray with you to receive Christ or to join our church but you can also want to invite you just to come as Cindy and I did 18 years ago this month July 25th 2004 I just want to invite you to come and, and kneel here and Answer that question, What is what I want Jesus to do for me. Pray about that, and then you can go back to your seat, and we'll give you time to do that. So if God is leading you to, to respond in any way, you do that as we sing. Father in heaven hear the prayers that have been prayed now in the name of Jesus we pray amen thank you be seated for just a moment more two weeks from today is our next baptism opportunity it's our lake baptism we have six uh, six people so far planning to be baptized I'll be at the Welcome Center after this service after each service I would love to talk with you about confessing your faith in Jesus or being a member of our church or whatever and, and especially those who need to be baptized, come see me. I'd love to talk with you. Thank you. Daniel?
5: Before we go, I want to remind you about, uh, I'll let you know, you may have seen the chalkboard out in the hallway there with backpacks. Uh, we're partnering with Coffee County Schools uh, to supply uh, school supplies for some, some folks in need. So you can grab one of the cards there and uh, buy the school supplies, put them in a backpack, uh, and bring those back on July 24th. So I think we've got somewhere around 80 students that we're trying to help out, and many of those were taken, but there's still more if you'd like to grab one of those. And if you are blessed, you can be a blessing. So uh, that's a way that we can share the love of Christ with our community, and we appreciate that partnership. You can also uh, continue in your worship as you uh, give, and there's uh, the boxes in the back there for tithes and offerings and other act of worship as uh, you, we gather this morning so we will pray and be dismissed God thank you for your love for us and thank you for your desire to see uh, see us come to you and, and ask what you can do for us God and help that question be a clarifying moment for us uh, to align our desires and our hopes and uh, with, the, with the will of of you and your kingdom, God. So um, just as we uh, continue to reflect on on this challenge this morning, we ask that you would just help us to be your people, uh, to, to share the love that we have from you with the, the world around us as we uh, just um, align ourselves with you, God. So help us to do that. Help us to be obedient and walk in your ways with you. Thank you for this time to gather. Thank you for who you are. It's in your name we pray. Amen.